What is up, everybody? Mark on the mic here, my good friend, Mr. Ryan Muckenhern, across from me right now. And today we're going to talk about a cartridge, a cartridge that I find impressive, underrated, and frankly, Ryan, confusing. Because the more I read about it, it's almost like the more I understand but also don't understand. We're talking rimmed, rimless, multiple, potentially multiple bore diameters. Like, when I think of a cartridge, I think of it as like, it's this thing, and it's the standard thing. But the 8x57 Mauser, which initially wasn't even chambered in a Mauser rifle, it's just kind of its whole, it's a, mentally its own animal to me. What the heck is going on with this thing? Which apparently you have one, of course. Are you doing like, uh, what do they call that, mental gymnastics? Yes. Okay, you're on the parallel bars right now? Yeah, but I keep falling off. Okay, understood. So what Parker's talking about is the 8x57, or 8x57 Mauser, or 8 Mauser, um, or 7.92 by 57 millimeter, a cartridge that has been on the landscape for a damned long time. Real long time. 1888. Where? I was uh, born in 1988. <laughs> That's a good year. Uh, my, yeah. uh, my dad had a, an 88 F-250. In fact, it finally just gave up the ghost. Well, hopefully that doesn't spell disaster for me or this cartridge. I don't um, think it will. Oh, thank God. 8-millimeter Mauser. Okay, let's unpack this a little bit. 8-millimeter, uh, 8x57J, 8x57JS, 8x57JRS, 8x57Rimmed. These are all the same thing, but slightly different. Going to the bore diameter component, 318 versus 323. And which one would have the 318 bore J. diameter? The J. The original. Okay. Yes. Um, so early 1900s, a transition was made between the 318 bore to the 323 bore. Bullet profile change went from a round nose to a Spitzer type. And then we get 323, the JS. Now R, it's thrown in there, designates rimmed. Single shot stocking rifles, perhaps a double rifle, a drilling maybe, where you have that rim that, that captures that rifle or that cartridge in that, uh, that chambering process. A point of significance to make here. If you have one, but you're not sure which, you should determine before you just load ammo in it and fire, because firing the larger bore diameter bullet in the smaller bore diameter could result in catastrophe. Firing the small bullet diameter in the larger bore could result in poor accuracy. Might give you a bad read on your rig. Yeah, not ideal. No, and it is a really good cartridge. Yeah, that's one thing. So not so popular, I'd say, mm. in these parts, you know. By around, that, you mean the continental United States of America? Correct, but common across the pond. Yes, elsewhere. Europe. What's what, Like common to the point where if you bought a new firearm, firearm no. off the rack, you might find this would be in the selection. Be an excellent choice. What you would hunt, what we would hunt, what anybody would think of hunting with a 308 or a 30-06, the 8-millimeter Mauser would do exactly the same thing. Yeah, that's what. Uh, th- that's one thing uh, I was hearing you're reading some folks you know, talk about it, and they said it paralleled the .06. I, I guess maybe it was more in application, like yeah. you're saying, but pretty darn tightly. Like anything you'd shoot with a .06, you'd shoot with an 8x57 Mauser. Without question. Modern bullets are available for most of the major bullet manufacturers. Modern loadings are available from many major manufacturers less here more in europe but yeah i I mean i would consider them interchangeable with respect to um means of take for a given species if you'd comfortably hunt 
whitetails with a 308 or an 6 You could comfortably hunt whitetails with an 8mm Mauser. And I think the cartridge has gotten a bad rap, and I often think it's grouped similarly to like 7mm 08 Remington and 243 Winchester, but but maybe for different reasons. I've seen people associate 708 and 243 with being these kind of a like anemic youth ladies cartridges, which there's certainly more than that. Um, and I think maybe people look at 8mm Mauser and think, well, I'm stuck with an old gun that's not going to shoot good, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which may not be the case either. I have a 1938 minted 8x57, and it shoots fantastic. I wouldn't hunt with it necessarily because it's like a military arm, and it's it's kind of big and heavy, and um, I can't affix a weapon sight to it, like a conventional telescopic weapon sight, and, and the irons are a little bit difficult for my aging eyes to see, but... It shoots good, and it's powerful, and it's more than adequate, and it would do everything I've ever done with a thirty out six or three oh eight, just as well. I think the name itself, for whatever reason, paints a picture in a in a person's mind. At least maybe like you know a person like me in you know in the continental U.S. that you know and maybe it's just because it's different or it seems out of place because it's not common here. So I'm sure. like, oh yeah, that's not for me, right? We don't shoot those around here. But it does paint a picture of like. The firearm that the firearm that I would find it in isn't necessarily that I'm you know drawn to as like a traditional arm that I might use in the applications in which I use guns. Okay, so you don't uh, like nice things. I didn't say that. Oh, that's what I heard. I like nice things that fall into my bucket of mental reality. I see. Which, as I find out more about the eight by fifty-seven Mauser, uh, dissolves by the second. So you have one. I do. How how did you come across this thing? Well, this is a what fun. was the uh, what was the impetus? Boy, well, I'm going to get one of those. Do you know that statute of limitations people talk about? I think we've gotten past that point. But here's the deal. You may want to like you know check your calendar. But yeah. Okay. So I was a lackluster student in high school. Don't um, say that. No, really, true story. And I had this independent learning class in which we had to devise a project that was going to touch all the major food groups of education requirements. So there had to be like literature and and writing. There had to be history. There had to be some sort of um, science. There had to be some sort of art. There had to be, you know, all these things that would go into whatever a a well-rounded curriculum would define. And um, I was lagging behind on orchestrating a project. And I had a, uh, an instructor of mine who is to this day, still uh, a very important person in my life. And he said, why don't you go get yourself an old war Mauser and we'll do a rolling restore on it. We'll do top to bottom refresh. We'll reblue. We'll replace. We'll reweld, refit the whole thing. Top to bottom. We'll take it from this battlefield pickup to what you would expect to be pulled off the rack and, and issued. And I was working at a gun shop at the time and I thought, what a brilliant idea. And so that's what we did. And so when, through the painstaking process of um, removing all the original factory finish from the metalwork, you know, cleaning everything up, filling pits if they were bad, which there was not very many of, rebluing the gun. Uh, I got a new stock from Mitchell's Mauser. I had to do some inletting. I had to refinish it, and I refinished it in the in the traditional oils used to finish the stock. Like what would what would have that been? Well, what was like were the traditional oils? Uh, it was like linseed oil and and a, and a couple of other wood oils that are. Like, don't think varnish. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then put the whole thing together, write a, a, a historical piece on the arm itself and its use, write a historical piece in the cartridge. I did some math. I did some comparisons between 
8x57 V308, V30-06 and put it all together in this nice trifold board and put it up in the cafeteria. And my teacher, who she was wonderful, by the way, and put up with so much of my shenanigans. <laughs> Thank you. And then the principal were a bit stunned and uh, shocked that this is what I had done. Nonetheless, checked all the boxes, got a passing grade. I actually got an A in that class. That was the only thing that you had to do besides show up. Um, and it was one of the very few A's that I ever netted in my high school career. Well, I think that is a testament to making learning fun. And it as was. you as you describe that project, I'm like, why couldn't every like you you go into these um, you know you you go through school in these compartmentalized classes like yeah. oh I'm in math class now I'm in uh, English now all you need is a cool project mm -hmm. and you can do the math and you can write the paper and do all the things and uh, get some uh, practical, uh, what's a word I'm thinking of, but like hands-on building experience. experience. Yeah. Like you said, it checks all the boxes. It did. And it, it turned out to be a wonderful shooter. And you can do something that you're interested in. I, and I did. And it, it propelled me forward in life. It was a great project. It's a great gun. Yeah. I, I, I didn't mean, bring history, it. like we're talking about a little bit of the history here. Yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm like I'm sidetracking, I guess. But uh, it was fun. A note to uh, all the schools out there. Let's, <laughs> you know, and it it, like said, it it inspired my mind. It inspired my heart. I worked with my hands. I worked with my head, and I made a thing out of it. I'm not saying that the cartridge was a catalyst behind it, but it was sure neat to have an eight millimeter Mauser. It was one I didn't have at the time, and now I do. I like I said, I don't really use it for anything, and I forgot to bring it because it doesn't live in the state with me. But I do have ammunition at home, which I also conveniently forgot to bring. Just picture a Mauser here and a small stack of cartridges. Mm, I can see it now, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. The uh, the 8x57 of uh, German descent? German-Austrian, yeah. Okay. Used in conflict? Uh, extensively. What's uh, what's the story there? Well, it was the main battle rifle of of uh, the the Germans during World War One and Two. It was chambered in a couple different rigs. Um, you found it in... Carbines, you found it in infantry rifles. There was a neat semi-automatic rifle that was made. There was machine guns that were chambered in it. It was a very, very popular round, much like we have adopted and used the 308 ad nauseum mm -hmm. across a smattering of platforms and had with the 30-06 for a long time. The 8 Mauser filled that niche for the, the Europeans, uh, specifically the Germans. Yeah, it's always interesting to see those cartridges that are used extensively in conflict by a country bleed over into, I guess, you know, the consumer market yeah. and carry forward with, uh, with, with vigor. This one obviously has done that, uh, over in Europe, you know, just like the Ot 6 and the 308 mm -hmm. have done here. Yeah. So, uh, fun fact, a listener had pointed this out on a previous episode, something we failed to mention and acknowledge the case head diameter of the eight millimeter Mauser is 473, mm -hmm. which we have now adopted as the, quote, standard bolt face. Gotcha. Yes. So, I mean, that would be everything from... 308, 30-06, 270, 280, 25-06, 6.5 Creedmoor, 30-TC. A whole smattering of cartridges on standard bolt face found their roots with an 8 by 57 Now, I'm not going to go so far as to say that the 308 is derived from the 8 by 57 This is a bit of a genealogy branching going on there. Sure. But... That's where it came from. Still, maybe on the family tree somewhere in some capacity, yeah, sure. perhaps. I'll go with it was a metallic cartridge and had some dimensions. 
Um, <laughs> and from, from that came something else. We talk a lot about uh, necking things up and necking things down. Yeah. There's a few derivatives, though, that are, I'd say, like fairly common. Like one thing that I was surprised that I didn't know before this, the, uh, the 257 Roberts, yep. which I feel like has a, a cult following to yeah, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, here again, a, a cartridge that in the United States enjoyed some pretty outstanding popularity for a period of time, mm-hmm. albeit bracketed by some other more popular cartridges now. Yeah, that's a that's a 8x57 derivative in the six millimeter Remington. Correct. Right. Yep. yep. So parent case of that 57 millimeter. And here we go. We've got these other great commercially successful cartridges where the eight itself has not really enjoyed much commercial success in the U S outside of some astute collectors and, um, aficionados and enthusiasts. What would be some eight millimeters that like folks might be more familiar with around here? Uh, successful ones. Either. Because the list is very short. I would say for a very brief period of time, a little lead balloon, I I like to refer to it as the 8mm Remington Magnum. Okay. Um, And then still hanging on, uh, shout out to the folks in BC and uh, Alaska especially, the 325 WSM. The 325. Yep. We we have a listener who uh, I would say pleasantly persistent wanting us to chat about the old 325 w- WSM, which I'd like to do. We could get there someday. It's another good cartridge. It, it is. It's or is cartridge. it a great cartridge? It could be. It could be. There's, I think, and we'll get to that, but for some reason, that bullet diameter just has not hooked up like a 7 or a 30 or a 338, of which it's all fairly close to. Sometimes there's... It's inexplicable the why some things take off and some things don't. And yeah. I think sometimes it has to do just with the momentum of other categories. And it's like you, you kind of get, in some ways, like too far down the tracks going this way that to add this, you're like, oh, we're just kind of pot committed going with this sure. one. When this one could even be better. Could be. And if, if you're out there listening right now and you're the person who's been requesting the 325 WSM, just know that we're listening, and we have heard you. We just haven't done it yet. There's a long list of cartridges. There are, but we're going to get to that one. Let's call, call this 8-millimeter seed Yes, that will hopefully Boop. grow a tree, that will hopefully sprout some fruit, and eventually one of those fruits will be the 325 WSM. I, just, I do find it curious that it really is such a... It's just another one of those really... Highly versatile cartridges. That just... Kind of fizzled. Kind of fizzled. Yeah. and that But regionally is, as well, I yeah. guess you could say. Because here again, 8, eight Mauser elsewhere, um, still extremely popular, still extremely viable, loaded with modern practices, high performance cartridge. It's just not here. Yeah. Well, well one thing I was reading, Ryan, and I guess, you know, this may depend on the firearm, right? But I was reading that factory loadings can be intentionally loaded down yep. a little bit, yep. therefore possibly not reflecting maybe the the true potential of the cartridge itself. Certainly. That's also for safety reasons, which is always very important. What's, Certainly. What's going on there? So for some similarities with stuff that we would find here in the U.S. quite frequently, look at cartridges like 4570. 
usually you see it in loading manuals in three tiers. You see 4570 commercial loads for trapped or Springfield. You see 4570 for, I shouldn't say commercial loads, I should say hand loads, but 4570 for Marlin and 4570 for Ruger. In that, if you had a Ruger falling block and you had it snoosed up mm-hmm. in 4570, it could handle it. You wouldn't put that in a trapdoor Springfield because you might have a grenade or something like that. And the Mauser chamberings and loadings are not dissimilar in that some of these guns were built before the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these guns were built just at or just after the turn of the century. And if we're going to produce ammunition on a commercial scale, it has to be safely applicable to all of those guns, assuming they're in fine working order. And so we wouldn't want to put a really hot load into one of these older guns and because it might end up in catastrophe. Now, the cartridge potential itself is extraordinary. I mean, when we look at the case dimensions, it's a larger case than a 308 Winchester, six millimeters longer. It's just slightly shorter than a thirty out six. There's room for powder in there, and you can load it up with you know projectiles from you know, like 150 to 200 and change weight in grains, and you can get it to do some pretty outstanding things. And I would say that a lot of times you could actually get it to eclipse the 308's performance with certain bullets and certain loading practices, and and certainly achieve what a 30-06 can do in a similar grain weight. So you have the potential to load it hot. And this isn't uncommon with a lot of these military cartridges. Think like 6.5 by 55 Swede. On paper, that cartridge looks kind of anemic from the factory options here in the U.S. Hot rod it, and it is an absolute speed demon and, and is capable of things far greater than what we would read on paper. Uh, makes a 6.5 Creedmoor look like um, like a 22 short. Well, not really. That's kind of... It's a little extreme. Yeah, I was, it bests a 6.5 Creedmoor. And I know you're thinking that's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) But you wouldn't want to put that in, you know, an old military arm necessarily and risk damaging it or yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those tricky things where because in some ways, but then, okay, I'm going to argue this both ways. Yeah. I'm like, well, we have the 308 and we have the OT-6. So really, what's the need, Right. But you could almost, I can also argue, well, you can say that about a lot of cartridges well, in a way. Yeah. So. Why have an OT-6 I if can't you have call a 308? It. And why have a 308 if you have an OT-6? Yeah. <laughs> and then you, well, do I really need the 8x57? I'm, I think yes. If why? anything, Well, if anything, for the historical significance. This was a modern metallic cartridge that was hatched before we had automobiles. That lives on, carries the torch to this day. Ought to be something you own. Fair enough. Okay. Did we miss anything on the 8x57 Mauser? I'd like to know who's still hunting with one. Yeah. And for our international listeners, we might get a lot of folks. I hope so. Hopefully we get a few folks from around these parts. Yeah. Are you hunting with an old war Mauser? Are you hunting with a new modern rifle? Are you hunting with something you conceived on your own and put together out of spare parts? We heard Ryan's 8x57 Mauser story. What's yours? I'd like to get another one. What do you need that you don't have? I'd like a nice commercial Mauser. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like a fancy one with like a short forend, ebony forend tip, a little schnabel maybe, pancake cheekpiece, double set trigger, skeleton butt plate and grip cap, maybe an octagon barrel, three-leaf holding sight. Pretty, uh, pretty standard. 
that doesn't seem like necessarily an off-the-cuff response. It, it appears you've, you've put a little bit of thought into this. Well, I've been kicking that around for a long time. Read an article one time about a rifle called the Pleasure Mauser. <laughs> okay. Yep. And it was a commercial Mauser produced. It's a very stately rifle. Stately? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's a very handsome gun. I'm going to start using that a little bit It's more. very stately. I'm, just, I'm going to weave it in my conversations very casually, and it's going to make me sound so distinguished I, and smart. And that's and that's the entire reason I want it, not because it necessarily offers any kind of force multiplier I don't otherwise have, but I want to feel like a real sir when I'm out stalking. That's another thing we don't say in the U.S. We don't use eight mousers, and we don't use the word stalking. Um, sure we do. Not Not like our friends the Brits do. How would, how would they say it differently? Well, so our colleagues in Great Britain. I get regular email updates. I was out stalking this weekend, shot this nice roebuck. We don't oh. call it stuff. We just call it hunting. Well, okay, but then we would we would qualify it with well, how were you hunting? I'm like, oh, I was still hunting. Oh, I was tree stand hunting. I was spotting stock hunting. Stalking just seems so much cooler. I can't disagree. Yeah. It's stalking. All right. They make stocking rifles. We don't have stocking rifles here. We just have rifles. I've got a Browning stainless stocker. says right on it. Do you, is it sold as a stocking rifle? I've is certainly it? turned it into one. Okay, fair enough. That's a good point. They did have that, didn't they? They, yeah. they held on to that European influence. Stainless stocker. Good gun. I like that. That's what the old 300 wisdoms. Mm. That's what it's in. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. The 8x57 Mauser. Do you think that it should be more popular? Like Ryan said, let's hear let's hear your story. Are you still using it? Do you have one? Do you think about it? Do you like the history? How did you get one? How did you come across one if you got it? We want to hear about it. Yes. All these stories are cool. Yes. All right. Until next time, everybody. Happy stalking. See ya.